It's the Tiny and Nate Show. I'm Tiny. And I'm Nate, here to help you create time and money freedom through real estate investing so that you can live a life full of impact and joy. All right, we are live on We're YouTube. Here. Welcome back, Tiny. What's up, YouTube? <laughs> What's up, YouTube? Hey, all right. Everybody. So, oh, there it is. There's that baritone we all know and love. Tiny, we need to get you to sing something like "Old Man River." I don't know something, something that just really takes don't advantage of your baritone one of these days. When I wake up in the morning, it's like two octaves lower sometimes, and I just like will wake oh, everyone yeah. up. <laughs> so, some yeah, old or, you, or you get a cold or something like that. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Fast. Well, well, today uh, I was really inspired this week in in my conversations with with uh, realtors and other, I and other investors. I got this challenge question, which is like, oh, it's a terrible market to wholesale or flip. Actually, she was saying she was talking about flipping. It's a terrible market to flip houses in. And I thought it's a terrible market to have the attitude that it's a terrible market to flip <laughs> <Yeah>. houses in. <laughs> I actually encourage, like I don't tell people I'm doing that, but I will encourage that. Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's the yeah, worst. It is. You so just like stay out one of it less sure. <laughs> It's like it's just, it's so hard. It's just it's so tough. Yeah. Yeah. Check like you're not going to have to compete with that person. <laughs> so what I thought we could do today is kind of run through a couple of things. Like if somebody is interested in wholesaling houses or in flipping houses, um we'll just kind of run through the stuff that we've learned uh, mm-hmm. uh about what you need to do either of those. And if we have extra time at the end, I'd love to know your thoughts right now. Would you call it a buyer's market or a seller's market? Oh, I mean, definitely a seller's market for sure. Strong seller's market. I, it's not like insane like it was, but it's still very strong seller's market. And then, right. and then so hopefully get- we'll get to something about, you know, what are the tools and skills needed to succeed in the seller's market? And what are the tools right. and skills needed to succeed in the buyer's market? And when does that change? Right. And how does it change your approach? So those are things to think of right. kind of long-term. That's I, I definitely, p- people getting into this, you know, can lose sight of it's like hey this goes through cycles don't just get into it for one you know one thing or assume it's always going to be the same because it changes okay i'm with you so i'm going to show a little graphic here from google trends and while i do this you'll be thinking what does it take to wholesale or flip a house in the hot 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 2022 market and then i'll come back to you in just a second got it sure so this is a graphic from google trends it goes back through 2018 on the left here the blue line is the search term wholesaling houses the red line is the search term flipping houses. And what you notice back here in 2018 is that, you know, uh, the term flipping has probably got wholesaling beat by 10x or so. But as you come up here towards 2020 and 2021, wholesaling is starting to beat out as a search term, uh, the term flipping houses. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious, anecdotally, I know you, you maybe haven't done all the full research, but why do you think, just anecdotally, what comes to your mind? Why do you think that trend might be happening? Well, it's it's interesting because stats are such one of those things where it's like, how do you interpret this statistic? It's very yeah open to interpretation. So for sure. what I don't think we're trying to point out is wholesaling is more popular than uh, flipping. I don't think that's what that chart necessarily says. I think the novelty of it and people being aware of it as a tool um, is growing in popularity and going, wait, what is, because I mean, how many agents have you talked to who don't even know what wholesaling is? Mm. Like a, a good amount of them. Like they just don't know. 
and which is fine um but it's it's kind of sad because it's like well that's a that's a whole tool in your tool belt as a real estate professional you could have because some properties just aren't right for going on market and i'm sure there's plenty of people who would argue with me on that but when you think about like what's the best for the seller if you want to go that route which is i found pretty it serves people pretty well sometimes there's stuff going on in the life circumstances that putting it on market putting them through that public process is is really not the best thing so yeah yeah i think i think um more and more people are starting to and, and it's also with with YouTube and different influencers, I think it's becoming more popular. Some of the mentors that we have um, have have really spent so much money, time, and effort, and passion explaining and teaching. Like, hey, here's the right way to do this. Here's what this involves. And so, hopefully, today we can kind of break down a little bit of our experience of what it is and what you need to know before you get into it, and um, just the different steps. So, yeah, hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I do think the the renaissance of information on YouTube, I think there was information back in the 80s and 90s, but it was all on VHS cassettes and $20,000 uh, hotel room uh, lobbies meet you at the back of the back of the room to get this course right. or mentorship. But um, there's just such a proliferation of information. I also wonder if there wasn't some of that trend can't be somewhat tagged on people stuck at home trying to figure out how to make money post flu. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Big time. Uh, Big people, time. Yeah. There's such a low barrier to entry to get started wholesaling that, you know, I think a lot of people could, could, could try and get into just making that their job. I also do think there's probably been a uh, multiple waves of people that have learned digital marketing that has said mm -hmm. that they've looked at the real estate market and gone, well, I could generate leads for other uh, buyers. And so I wonder if that, that just that those um, those wave of contributions are what are what created that that uptick hmm. in wholesaling. Hard to know, um, but I yeah. can definitely your hypothesis is logical to me. You have yeah. all these things coming together of people having to stay home or having to switch jobs or having to learn new skill sets and going, well, how do I make money from staying home? The the double edged sword of its low barrier to entry. I was telling someone this today it, because it's not very difficult to get into um it also opens itself up to being done very poorly and right so that's right. something i think we're pretty passionate about and you know groups we're involved on are in of hey how do we how do we make wholesaling not a dirty word how do we redeem it as an industry and i think yep. um making sure people are not doing it right according to us but like yeah being real estate professionals Mm -hmm. you know doing it in a way that's going to serve people not hurt them and so i i'm, I'm very passionate about that because it's just it's a big deal I agree. Like, we'll say it's a big deal <laughs> i agree with that and i think there's a simple algorithm somebody could follow um which is if i go in um to wholesaling but rather if i go into real estate investing and i'm going to use wholesaling mm -hmm. i should go in prepared to buy and flip or rehab any of the projects that I'm going to be offering on. And so let's do this really quick. What does it take to wholesale or flip a house in a hot, hot 2022 uh, market today? Just kind of break, we can use Boblet as an example. You know, the first okay. one that comes to mind is the ability to fund the project. And so for Boblet, we used hard money and mm -hmm. private money. You want to discuss those real quick? 
Yeah, uh, super critical. And this is just a conscience thing and how we choose to do business, like being able to close on a deal before you ever make an offer on it, I think is just really critical. Like you're making an offer to another human being on their home, you you better be able to make it happen. You don't have to at the end of the day, but if something fell through, knowing that you have the ability to do that will help you sleep better at night. And just, I think that's, I think that's how it, I agree with you. That's how you should start. Um, with the, with the funding. So a combination of private money to put down the down payment. Um, so what did we have skin in the game? Absolutely. Earnest money plus part of the down payment came from us, but we also helped, um, a passive investor increase their wealth by growing their, their money through interest that we help them that we're paying to them, um, instead of having their money just in like the stock market. So that's a way to add value, but also to source some of the, the money so you don't have to come up with it completely on your own. Now, right. as far as if I'm remembering this correctly, as far as the rehab budget goes, I believe um, our partner who's doing the construction or who's actually a business partner of ours, um, you know, he, I believe he's doing the paid the construction costs on his business lines of credit uh, mm -hmm. of his con construction company and then is using draws from the hard uh the yeah the hard money lender to pay back for the work after it's completed so okay do you want to break down how so that works really, well just really quickly i want to define those two terms um uh, yeah. in case somebody's totally new to this world hard money versus private mm -hmm. money private money is mm -hmm. somebody you know like and trust probably a friend or a family member who's going to provide a short-term loan maybe for a down payment maybe for the rehab to uh, get you into a uh, an investment property. And maybe they're gonna provide five, 10, 20% of the buy price. And then the hard money is an institutional lender who's looking at the value of that property, making sure that you're buying it, uh, uh, let's say cheap enough so that mm -hmm. when it's fixed mm -hmm. up, that they're, they're very confident they're gonna get their money back. They're also gonna provide a portion of the rehab funds if you need them. And they're going to provide mm -hmm. that in draws. So as the work is completed, you're going to be able to write to them and say, all right, we're complete. Uh, send your guy out, take a picture. Notice how the floors and the paint is done. And they're going to put that 20K back for the floors and the paint or the cabinets back into your account uh, yep. from that hard money loan. So those those are the terms that we're dealing there with on, on funding. And a couple couple uh, details in what you just said. Yes. You can do that yes. multiple times. So you don't have to wait until the project is complete to do that. You can do it as oh, many times. The draws? The Are you project. talking about the draws? The draws, yep. You're talking about the draws, yeah. I am. And there's a cost to that for the inspector to come out. It, it varies, but I think it's around two to 300 bucks. Uh, but to get those you know, $10,000 draws to help keeping the project moving forward can be really helpful. And sometimes it's just worth it. You bake it in at the beginning of the, the project. Um, the other thing about that is please be aware that when you're sourcing money from a private source, uh, there are SEC guidelines you need to abide by. This is something that kind of caught us by surprise, but it's all good. Um, you just need to, to know what you're doing because when you raise private money, if the person you're raising money from is not considered like a sophisticated investor or a qualified investor, you will be breaking rules. So you just, you need to get the right paperwork. There's like, there's a bunch of rules, but it it is fairly 
straightforward to understand. You just need to know it exists and it's a thing. <laughs> th yeah. This is a good time to say we are not lawyers. We are not doctors. And uh, <laughs> you are a realtor. I'm not a realtor, uh, but uh, we are not SEC lawyers. So uh, just Google yeah. that SEC lawyer near you or we can uh, maybe we can put a referral in the bottom of the, we, the link after this. Yeah, episode. I've got a great one that we can put at the in the comments. But there's there's some phenomenal people who dedicate their life to instructing business people on those rules because they want you to do it right. Um, and you want to do it right. Trust me. So yep, yep. Just, just know, so you know, the, that's that's part of being in this world of uh, real estate. Is like there's stuff like that. It's like, oh, okay. But it doesn't it doesn't have to stop sure. you from moving forward. We're just trying to help you uh, not step in potholes. <laughs> for sure. And I just want to mention one other thing that's occurring to me. If somebody's getting into this for the first time and they're not sure where they're going to get their yeah. rehab budget. Home Depot, Lowe's, those guys all have credit cards and lines of credit that you can sign up for. If you need to pay for cabinets, you think you can get this thing flipped in an amount of enough time to um, to mm -hmm. to to resell and, and pay that off, then then great. That is an option as well. If you're if you're needing to use debt or consumer debt, this is I probably the only kind of consumer debt I would ever recommend is if you've got a great deal and you need to rehab it and you need a way to do that um, quickly and effectively. That could be an option for people, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's different from a credit card. It's lines of credit. So yeah, it yeah. works. If someone's not familiar with that, it does work a little differently. But yeah, it's great. So before, so be, so before need, you need money, what do you need before you need money? A deal. You need a deal. You need a Leads deal. And a, <laughs> give me a deal. Tiny, I need a deal. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, we, you, you, well, you were saying, I think one of the first questions you asked me was like, what's the hardest part or like what's so different about doing yeah. it in 2022 yeah um I, I think it's like the the stomach and the grit involved in finding a good deal like an actual deal versus just someone who's like i'd sell if it was the right price there's lots of those people um people who actually need to sell and that you can serve by helping them do that that's i think that's what separates people who are successful in markets like this like we're in right now and people who are saying man this is really impossible to do that's what I would say is like, well, yeah, it's it's tough, but there's also a ton of people that need help. Yep. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about just practically go through them really quick because we've done lots of other episodes on this, but getting leads and finding great deals. Uh, what's worked for us? What's worked for our friends? What's worked for our mentors? Just uh, bang through just a quick list, Reader's Digest style. Okay, um, so there, there's the whole just physical in person, uh, door knocking. There's the cold calling, which... Uh, I'm not saying these in any particular order. Um, there's the networking. There's the driving for dollars. Uh, ne networking is such a huge thing, but I'll just stick with driving for dollars for now. Um, going around neighborhoods and looking for dilapidated homes, homes that have distressed markings, or they just look like, hmm, that doesn't fit here. Something's going on. Uh, someone's having a hard time keeping up with this for whatever reason. That's, that's a very good thing to look for. Um, real estate agents who have properties that they can't sell sell uh, that's a that's a big one back on market properties that have gone on and off market multiple times in six months there's some pain there the thing you're looking for the most is motivation however you uncover it isn't as important there's more efficient ways and some more cost effective ways um, and some easier and some harder but they all work if you do them enough it's it's once you find somebody do they have motivation and can you solve their problem if you if those two things exist then then that's the making of a deal i would say that's the beginning of a yep. deal 
Yep. Yep. I think there's different kinds of sellers that we've discovered. Some are in pain and some are looking for pleasure, right? So some are looking for mm -hmm. a higher price and that's where some creative terms can come in. Other times mm -hmm. uh, it is some sort of pain. We've, we've bought from people who, you know, whose houses are physically distressed, roofs falling in. We've bought from people who are going through difficult things in life, like divorce. We've bought from people who are looking for more pleasure, like, hey, I just want to get this um, kind of banged up house sold so I can go buy myself an RV and get out of Dodge. Um, yep. So everybody that is selling is looking for something. It's not that they, you've probably heard this before, like when somebody goes out and buys a drill, it's not that they want to drill. They want what the drill can accomplish for them, right? So finding yeah. the, uh, they want they want holes in the wall and why, they actually don't even really want holes in the wall. They want beautiful shelves on the wall and they don't actually just want beautiful shelves on the wall. They want the feeling that they get when all their stuff and their knickknacks are just gorgeous <laughs> right behind them. And they don't even just want that. Right. They want their friends to look at their shelves and go, ooh, you've got it put together. That's it. So there's these, That's these deeper. That's it. <laughs> That's it right there. Pavlov's whatever. Right? Yeah. Hierarchy right. of need. And yeah. so you got it. Yeah. So finding that Yes, finding that desired pain or uh, pain relief or or desired pleasure, and making sure that that um, is just included in the part part of the conversation, if not part of the deal, right? Because the part of the deal could be I can't close until X, Y, and Z. I can't close until um, we get through court for our divorce. I can't close until this piece of paperwork's done that says how we're going to split the proceeds of the of the house. So. It's as important to know how something's going to get done as it is whether the person's going to actually sell to you. That so that's part of finding a, a great lead and a great deal, I believe, as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, in like I've, I was talking to someone the other day who's you know trying to buy a property and they're trying to figure out you know if they need help or not. I'm like, well, I I want to be involved in that meeting where we discover if there's actual motivation or not because I don't want to invest a bunch of my time into putting together a deal if we don't know they're actually motivated because if they're not like that's going to be a huge waste so that isn't there a lot of people out there yeah i think there's a lot of people out there who just want to use you as the wholesaler or flipper or investor or buyer to find out mm -hmm. kind of what does the market say about my house what's the value mm -hmm. well dude you can look mm -hmm. that up on redfin well they what they really want is another human being to validate maybe the value of their house for some mm -hmm. other reason or to check yeah. what their realtor told them Etc. Right, and then yeah, you gotta watch sell out for those because those can be real time wasters. Another another thing that we've experienced and heard secondhand um, is going with a servant heart, like really giving a crap about the people you're working with, and not only finding out what they need, but being genuinely vested in like helping them achieve that. Um, people can sense that. So if that's like if that's not really a thing that motivates you get. I mean, I, I feel like the business that we're in when we wear a wholesaler hat is getting people unstuck. Like that's where we, that's what we get paid for. People are stuck in some way and we get paid to help them get unstuck, get them from where they are to where they want to go. That's how we make our yep. money there. Yeah. Yep. That's right. For sure. I believe in that. So funding, hard money, private money leads, finding a great deal. How do you know if it's a great deal? You have to have the ability to underwrite the project sounds like a yeah, fancy some, insurance word. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think in essence, if somebody wanted to get in and figure out, hey, what I mean, do you have any quick tips? I have one, and I'll share it. But you think about yours. Any quick tips for underwriting, fast and dirty, um, to find out if mm -hmm. something's a deal? I'll give mine. Um, 
if ahead. you can get in, yeah, if you can, if you've got an address of a property or a lead, if you can get on on Redfin or Zillow and look for another house that's been um, flipped, and how do you know if it's flipped? Normally, they're either staged or they're or they're vacant, and the photos, everything looks great, new quartz countertops, new vinyl plank uh, plank flooring, uh, new paint, it looks real clean in there. Um, yeah. or maybe somewhere in the, in the, yep. Yep. Maybe in the description, it says recently renovated. That's an obvious, if you look and see how much those sold for, you can basically do, uh, let's say it's a pretty average house, a three bed, two bath. You can, um, you can multiply the price that that sold for, for somewhere between 60 and 80% to find a possible, I know that's a super big, uh, price, uh, range, but I'm just giving a very quick. Uh, rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. So let's say somebody um, is in the neighborhood and they're willing to sell you a house for hundred thousand. And there's yeah. other houses that look a uh, similar size, but they were flipped and they sold for three hundred thousand. Well, mm -hmm. you you know you're at thirty three percent, so that's probably going to be a deal. So you can use that somewhere between sixty and eighty percent rule to figure out if you've even got something that an investor could, or a flipper could could look at and buy. Right, and and like the. Another person I was talking to today, that percentage, because that is a big range, that 20% is, is pretty huge. Yeah. That percentage it is, is going a big to range. Depend on, it's going to depend on your local market or whatever market you're working right. in. Um, some right. markets are just way more competitive. And so the margins are a lot smaller. And what you can expect to get on an assignment fee as a wholesale deal maker um, is generally going to be lower in highly competitive spaces. The, the lower the competition and the more unique your service is, uh, as a wholesaler and solving those problems and the more valuable those properties are, the better the deals they are, the higher yeah. your assignment fees can be. So For I think sure. that's a good way. That's probably my favorite way of um, kind of a back of napkin math, how to figure out an offer price uh, is the way you just described. Um, because it's not just using like a Zillow estimate or a Redfin estimate or a combination of all the above, which we do use from time to time. It's using, hey, what's something that really happened? But that's that requires a comp, like a pretty a pretty solid comp. What you just described is, yep. great, I would say, is a great comp. You're not always going to have that. Um, the I hate to recommend a shortcut, but the because the real thing you need to do is learn how to comp properties and underwrite, like an appraiser. Right. Um, yep. Jerry Jerry Norton has a good one. Uh, Jamil Damji has a great uh, video on how to underwrite properties using appraisal rules. Uh, that's not real estate agent rules. There's there's wonderful agents. There's also ones that make up kind of crazy numbers because it they spin this narrative that like builds up the price of this home. It's like, actually, that's by a main road and the comp is six miles away and uh, right. doesn't have water. Like, <laughs> you know, there's there's these things that I'm hey, my, my property is 1960s, and the one you said is a comp that shows me it's worth a million is built in 2020. Not yeah. a comp. Not a comp. That's three stories. This is one. Not a comp. That's a Not mobile a home. That's stick built. Not a comp. Yeah, I feel like that's a, <laughs> I feel like that's a com comedian skit way to happen. Like, you know your redneck if it's like you know it's right. not a comp if. <laughs> it's like, so I, I get again just the hard and fast the hard and fast easy rule is just find something that looks very similar. 
Same yeah. same number of stories, same number of bedrooms, same number of baths, similar number of square footage. And it, and this is the shortcut. So you're not always going to be able to find it. You're right. You're not always going to find a comp. But if you can find mm -hmm. something that looks similar from the from the front, from the facade, and you can see that it's similar in size, and you can see that the lot is also similar in size, meaning the land that it's on, and it's been recently rehabbed and resold, that price can be your after repair value. And that's how you can um, do a quick, quick underwriting, quick calculation. Uh, paperwork right, and the... I was going to Go. say, that's not going to tell you your rehab cost necessarily because that varies wildly right. by who you use and how you finish it. But it will for give sure. you the, the numbers you need to start for making an offer. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. And we can go over the how we're how we're estimating our rehab costs later. Um, and there there mm -hmm. is wide variety in that one guy is going to want to come in and spend minimal like 10K and keep it as a rental. Another guy's maybe going to want to come in and spend 60, 70, 80, 100K and, and create this gorgeous, you know, masterpiece. So there there's yeah. big range there as well. Totally depends. All right, we're on number seven, paperwork, and I'm going to do paperwork and number eight, the title company. So mm -hmm. um, there, you, when we first got started, I'm sure we just Googled purchase and sale agreement, and there's a lot of different <laughs> things out there. I think I think some shortcuts people could take is get with a realtor or get with a title company or get with an attorney to get the right paperwork, don't you think? Yes, and I'll add to that. You know, I consulted an actual another wholesaler in a different state that I knew from someone else. I knew them. There you go. You know, it was a friend of a friend kind of thing, and so yep, my friend vouched for them, so I could I had a reason to trust them, and I knew what they were about. Um, yep. But that's where we got. You know, that's where our contracts were kind of born. Is taking them now they yep. were in a different state, so we changed them quite a bit. But having a a starting place, you know, and this stuff's not yep. copywritten. It's they're contracts. So well, make sure whatever you're using isn't copywritten. But anyways, make it your own. Make sure it's it's you're complying with all the rules you need to. That's that's important very important um but also finding the right people to work with is it's a game changer so you know joining joining wholesaling groups in your area don't be afraid like it's it's it, this mindset of like there's not enough so i don't want anyone else to know i'm doing this or i you know don't want anybody to steal my deals or anything like that like, dump that mindset it's not helpful and it's not serving other people or you work together just do it um, and be known as a giver, be known as someone who brings value and people will bring you value because they're like, wow, maybe, you know, maybe they know a lot more about this than I do. Anyways, that will lead you to title companies who are awesome to work with. That's one of the ways we found ours. And it takes a little bit to find your team, but once you find them, oh my gosh, it makes life so, so wonderful, especially if you can be yeah. a consistent source of business and just wonderful to work with, be organized. Like, don't be a pain in the butt. Don't have, don't ask them for the same thing over and over, you know, uh, be professional and they will, they'll treat you really well. That's been our experience, I would yeah. say. Yeah. So get a Google suite together. I think one of the things that's really helped us is to make sure within our Google suite that we've got a folder for all of our client files. And so you've got the address, you've got prospective clients, you've got current clients, you've got finished contracts. So for each project, there's a client folder, there's a template that we follow mm -hmm. out, there's a checklist. That way, when uh, you need a piece of do documentation for your title company, you can get that for them quickly. And you're not going to waste a bunch of time searching around for stuff. Is that what just you're talking like, about when you say be organized? Just like a real estate brokerage. That's the same basic basic methodology uh, that a brokerage is going to use. Is they, But they have to do it. Like They're very required to keep all that documentation together. But it makes sense. Like If you're going to do this professionally, be organized. And, and yeah, it's 
it's way better than having a desk full of paperwork. You know, have it all digitally and just keep it organized. Keeps your business process sure. moving forward too. Well, on Google Suite, we couldn't run our business without Google Suite because we have team members all over the United States and all over the world and everybody can access the docs inside of there. Absolutely. That's right. So that's a big one. Uh, we keep our paperwork organized that way and that way we can get it over to the title company. Uh, number nine is an attorney. How have we used attorneys to either wholesale or uh, fix and sure. flip? Yeah. So uh, sometimes you'll run into the need to have a contract that's not just a regular purchase and sale agreement or a regular assignment contract. Say you're raising private capital and you need to ensure you basically need a, a permanent document, a living document, right. I should say. Um, that is legally enforceable and says where money's coming from, what it's being exchanged for, where the security is, you know, it's for this property. That's, that's called a promissory note or, a, you know, deed of trust. So having those documents written up correctly by a professional who is a real estate attorney is really important. And they're not that expensive. Like you're, uh, I don't know. What if we spent 300, might, $400, $500 expensive. when we're. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was like 700 total. And that included like a couple hours of his time and a bunch of emails yeah. and, you know, the actual yeah. paperwork documentation itself. Uh, but man, yeah. yeah. So worth it. Like knowing, being able to say, Hey, investor, this is done properly. Here's all the correct documents. Yeah. Here's the attorney we worked with. You know, it gives everyone peace of mind knowing that, you know, everything's done just the right way. You didn't Google it right. and make it make it up as you go. Don't do that. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. For sure. And the price range may vary for, for the work that needs to be done. But when you're talking about yeah. multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars or uh, transactions or millions, if you're getting into multifamily, then uh, yeah, it's worth it. It's, it's worth it to have that. And that person needs to be on your team anyhow. Uh, number 10 is contractors. So we have done this in sort of a unique way. Not everybody has the, let's call it the blessing that we do to have a third partner who uh, runs a building building crew. Mm -hmm. But um, finding that contractor that you can trust, that's not going to run off with your deposits or your materials. How could people go about that in your mind? What are some ideas? That's a great question. I... I know. I was. I would. I completely agree with you. I don't know. I don't even know exactly how we, like. It's not like we intended to to find that. It just was a relationship that kind of, um, yeah, led to that. But it was. Yeah. I would say use. I would say use your network, and right. You might. You might not realize how big your network is. Chances are, you know more right. than like zero people, and so you don't have to know them directly, but use people, who the people you know trust. And so that's, I call that leveraging trust. I'm sure a lot of, I didn't make that up, but like I leverage trust all the time and it's a way of making shortcuts and speeding business along and other relationships. It's like if my neighbor has a mechanic that he really trusts and has gone to for 15 years and I trust yep. my neighbor, then I can trust my neighbor's mechanic. So that's, I do that all the time. That's a way I would use to find contractors. I would not just go on internet reviews. I would not just go online and like, oh, well, this person said that they did great. Like, I've had that burn me so many times in so many different ways. Yeah, Actual people with firsthand knowledge is what I would, mm -hmm. I would recommend. Mm -hmm. And it's all about how you frame it. No pun intended. If you go to them and say, hey, I'm looking to 
set up a, a really mutual, mutually beneficial. I uh, can't talk today. A relationship that works you for you this. and it works for us, where we're bringing you deals. You've got employees to pay. You've got jobs you need to get done, and I need houses that need to get flipped. I have houses that need to get flipped. So I would love to earn the right to be, uh, you know, have a partnership with you by earning your trust in one deal. Mm -hmm. Let's let's date mm -hmm. before we get married. You know, don't just sure. throw LLC docs in someone's face and go, I want to be your partner. I would say no. Um, yeah, but try them and, and, and hopefully on like kind of a smaller scale thing. So if you have a remodel versus a total gut or you say, you, you know, this one needs a kitchen and it's cosmetic, definitely start with something like that or even yep. have them do something smaller. Do they answer the yep. phone? Do they are they good with communication like bills and stuff like that? Do they show up? <laughs> do they do good work? Things like that. That's, yep, that's I think what that's I would huge. start with. I think you could also leverage the investor community, right? If you get out there and start networking, whether it's Facebook groups uh, or otherwise, finding people that are actually uh, flipping houses right now, and that yep. could be something huge that you 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 if you were to go to work for a flipper, that would be another thing that you could do to find out. Hey, who are you using for your your um, subs and your contractor? I want to add one more thing to that, which is um, I liked your idea of starting on a smaller project before you go into a full gut. Start yep. on a, a light aesthetic renovation. Your mm -hmm. costs are going to be lower. Yep. You're mm -hmm. going to see, you know, how quickly they can get some work done. And I would also mm -hmm. encourage people to give their contractors um, um, uh, incentives, cash so incentives. Good. So uh, to to get the project done on a timeline because then, yep. then they really are becoming like partners for you and time is money if you're using hard money or private yep. money that each month you're having to make that that interest payment um mm -hmm. you know if let's say your monthly interest payment is 1500 bucks or 2500 bucks well if they can shorten it your time window from four months down to two months three months then maybe you give them a portion of that interest payment as their incentive to get that project done Exactly. Hey, I want to, I want to give you, I'm going to pay you 500 bucks cash to get this done by this date. Zero if it's after that date, but 500 if it's this date or whatever it is, you know, that's pretty yep. motivating. You're aligning them with what you need as a business owner. Yep. Um, and yeah. I would just say, I would add, I would add one more thing to that. Like, let them know why, you know, if mm -hmm. these are, yeah. these are hardworking men and women. And let them know I'm paying the X dollars in interest each month, and so uh, to make you as as close to a partner as possible, and in, and align our incentives. This is what we're going for. Mm -hmm. So contractors, we've got uh, the once the, the contracting work. Yes, and what? So people who are doing remodeling work in your community, so people who have remodeling yeah. businesses, they are yeah. also yeah. likely great buyers. So if you've got a deal have a house that needs to be flipped they're already tooled up to do it so if you didn't want to hire them exclusively um or you didn't just want to hire them to do your projects you might say hey i've got all the projects i can do right now but i've got this great deal do you want to buy it that's yeah. a, that's another great way to both build relationships with them to where they can do work for you and they can be a customer of yours i love that i love that all right, let's talk about listing agents, stagers, and photographers. I put these all in one bundle here mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. now that the work is done, you've got to actually sell it to be profitable, right? Um, right. First, the controversial question. Why not just sell it for sale by owner after you've uh, fixed something up and keep more of the profits? Great question. I think the way to answer that is it depends on your 
your business plan. If you plan on doing a small, a relatively small volume of these a year, great, go for it. If you have the skills, resources, and the time and the energy, and honestly, just the desire to do that work, fantastic. The operational drag it will add to your business is significant. So if you, what I, what I go back to is like, what's your highest, best use of your time? Finding out what your superpower is will lead you to that and going, okay, I'm best used. I can make the most, I can bring the most value if I do these things. Is listing our house, staging it, putting on the MLS, contacting, doing all the stuff. Is that, is that my highest, best use? If it's not, then don't do it. Either mm. have someone on your team do it or hire a professional who's good to work with and likely will take a smaller amount of pay because you're saying, hey, I want to work with you over and over again. But you have yep. to do that. Yep. <laughs> you can't just yep. string someone out. So yeah. That's what yeah. And 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 I think to run some numbers by people, different, different friends and colleagues that that we've worked with, there's kind of a wide mm -hmm. range, right? If you've got uh someone I'll start at the lowest and, and listing agents out there are going to hate that I even said that, but said what I'm about to say. But I mean, maybe, maybe you're going to do 20 deals this year, 20 flips, mm -hmm. and they're willing to take a thousand bucks per deal to mm -hmm. coordinate the photographer, get it on the MLS and put their sign out front as the listing agent. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, one, because you've committed to 20 projects for them for that year. What is the benefit for that agent? Um, they're they're going to get massive uh, exposure with their sign on all of your flips, right? Um, uh, which is leads. That's buyer and seller leads for them as well mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. their sign as they get sign calls and whatnot, getting their name out in the community. Not every agent's, you know, some agents are going to punch you for even suggesting this. And you, I think you do have to have volume and you do have to have commitment to them uh, in order to get that. So what's a, what could be a step up from that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it over the phone, not in person. I think a step up from that could be somebody that provides a discounted discount on their normal three percent. Maybe they provide sure. you one percent, one and a half percent, two percent, two and a half percent. Um, that's just the negotiation with that listing agent. But yeah, I think I, the ones that I think do an awesome job are those that are going to provide that connection and coordination of the stager and the photographer. Would you disagree? No, I, I wouldn't. And I would say it um, it's a combination and kind of balance of like what you want, what's important to you as a business owner uh, right. and and the agent, like an agent who's just starting out is far more likely to love having listings and feeling like they're succeeding and being busy and doing work and learning a ton. Like think of think of all the learning that they're going to have if they're a part of 20 deals this year that they didn't have to go get versus the four to six that they on average probably would have done if they did really good, <laughs> if they worked really hard. So they didn't have to do anything to go get it. If they're not doing the above and beyond services that an agent would is totally earning when they get their full commission, they might be open to making less, but having something more consistent. And age, getting a consistent paycheck is not synonymous with being a real estate agent. Hmm. So having something that they can count on and go, oh, wow, you're on pace to do 20 days a year. Don't make those numbers up. Like actually have something behind that. But if you can, that you're offering them a lot. That stability is, is valuable. So just know the agent you have in mind 
or that you don't know yet, different things are going to be more important or less important to them. That's what I'll say to that. And your professional opinion on professional photos versus iPhone? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Why pay for it? It's just like the dumbest thing when I see people take crappy cell phone pictures of real estate. I mean, seriously, like I get it. If you're going to list something on the Facebook marketplace, that's like a tennis shoe or like a nice sneaker or something like or a bicycle. But if it's a, a piece of real estate and it's a house or whatnot, and especially if it's halfway decent, show it off. Like you need great photos. You need lighting done. Like it's not just something you can whip out your iPhone and like, oh, look at this. I just think you're really dumb if you do that personally. <laughs> That's how I really feel about it. I, uh, I don't do think it's it, but I think wait. It's 500 bucks. Right, right. So. Don't you think $500 that's going to get um, a, a massive when when the when the buyer views those photos on um, on the MLS, yeah. the feeling is so different when you see professional photos versus when you see yep. the quick, you know, the quick cell phone photos with funky They're angles blurry, and the lighting's bad. It just it's like a sign. It's like a sign when you drive past a business. If you right. and you don't think about this, your brain does this calculation on its own. If you this, see yes, a crappy sign, if you see a crappy sign, you assume the business is struggling. If you see right. a bright, brilliant sign that's well lit, it's clean, and it's clearly articulating whatever they do, you assume that's a pretty good business. You don't think about it actively. Your brain just like does that. Photos on a house right. are the same way. Oh, it's probably Absolutely. more well taken care of. It's probably cleaner. It's probably more like structurally intact. I'm probably going to be happier living here. Like there's all this stuff that goes on in your head. You don't even think about when the photos don't suck. <laughs> when they're conversely, it's like, ooh, I wonder, this probably wasn't taken care of. They didn't even pay a photographer. <laughs> what else is wrong with this place? <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Well, we've gone for over uh, 40 minutes now here, hitting our one, two, three, four, five. So funding to close quick, hard money, private money, leads and great deals, ability to underwrite paperwork, title company, attorney, contractor, listing agent, stager, photographer. Who the heck would want to get into this in 22? This sounds <laughs> too difficult, people. doesn't it? That's great. I, I, I don't want people who are afraid of hard work in this industry. This is not easy. I'll just squish everyone. I'll pop everyone's balloon right now. But it's amazing. It's amazing. Like the people you get to work with, the problems you get to solve, the, the feeling you get when you take a family who is stuck and you help them get unstuck. There's no replacing that. Like that's amazing. And it pays really well if you know what you're doing. So I personally think it's phenomenal. It's my favorite thing I've ever done. Um, it's it's also the one of the craziest things I've ever done. Like you get into some nuts stuff. Like what? But it's really fulfilling and it's also challenging, I think. You also don't have to know all this stuff from the get-go. You don't. That's right. Like, yeah. we didn't. We didn't have all 13 of these in place on our first few deals? No. No, we didn't have an when attorney. Did we didn't have a listing agent. We didn't have stager, photographer, contractor when we really started. We didn't know what title company we were going to use. Uh, we were educating ourselves on the other five. Ability to underwrite. Uh, we had that leads or actually you learned that um had the ability to close the hard money and by the way the ability to close doesn't mean it has to be your money right people go well i can't do that because i don't have 300 grand 400 grand neither did i neither did you 
It doesn't have to be your money. It can be a hard money source. You just have to learn how that works because that's that's really important. <laughs> they, yeah. Uh, yeah, know how it works. It's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And we didn't even get into creative finance or seller finance deals are subject to on that, but we'll leave that for another day. But that's good. So that's a 13, 13 point checklist for even if you don't uh, even if you don't feel confident that you can get all of that done, just know that put that on your on your fridge or on your desk as stuff that as as you go along, be asking who in the community can help you connect with these people, because once you get these people in your life um, or these skills in your life, you're going to explode because you're going to have answers to the to all the main questions on on yep. how to flip and or wholesale. Totally. And man, you you bring up a great point. It's that's the tip of the iceberg. You can do it with just that knowledge, but when you start adding onto it in your tool belt, you know, basically all the ways to acquire a piece of property and all the ways to disposition it or sell it. If you have we're we're finally, well, I should, shouldn't say finally. It's been less than a year, but we're in the position right now where if there's someone who's motivated, there's pretty much no situation we can't like work through, which is phenomenal. Mm. Like think of all the problems we can solve now. So whether it's building a deck or coming up with a crazy strategy for financing or, you know, helping them move or fixing uh, some kind of social issue that they've got going on in their life. Like if you're willing to do the messy work, um, or hire it out, which is, I would advocate for that. Um, you can do a lot of good and get paid really well. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that is a wrap for today. Uh, in about 15 minutes, we've got um, we've got a guest, Dane Larson, coming on. He's going to give us his lowdown on how he house hacked his first property. And if you don't know what house hacking is, if you're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, you're going to definitely want to watch this episode on house hacking. Uh, I'll give you the, 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 the punchline of it. The punchline of it is his friends are all paying for his mortgage and cash flowing him over a thousand bucks a month on his first house that he ever bought as a 20 something year old. Uh, that is a wow. hot way to get started in real estate investing. We'll, we'll have that in about wow. 15 minutes. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we had a guest on a couple weeks ago, same similar idea, you know, uh, keto, I think. And it was like mm -hmm. genius. He was like, well, this is cool. I want to do this again. So yeah, um, that's going to be a great, it's going to be a great one. Yeah. Then, well, that was 20 years later, you know, I know, so, I know nice. exactly. All right. Tiny. I'm good. Nate. Thank it's you. Been real. It's been fun. I'll see you on the next real. one. Been good. Cue that outro. <laughs> ah, outro. <laughs> It's the Tiny and Nate Show. I'm Tiny. And I'm Nate, here to help you create time and money freedom through real estate investing. So that you can live a life full of impact and joy. <laughs>